This is Gabriel, an experimental podcast by multimedia artist Gabe Classic. Episode 8, Doodle Tarmf and the Idiot Brigade. If you feel like your reality suddenly skewed into a different parallel universe on Election Day 2016, don't worry, you're not alone. You are in a parallel universe. The world is askew. Sism. And while there may be parallel universes or a multiverse, mathematically speaking, we must acknowledge that our reality first begins as a perception of our mind. And that is where the divide has come. There are those of one mind and those of another. A different starting point from one another, so therefore a differing end point. Those who see a Trump presidency as the death of God in politics, and those who see a Trump presidency as the answer to their, however misguided, prayers. We are in a parallel universe, yet on the same physical plane. Reality begins in the mind, and our realities have divided because we are of two separate minds. It is difficult to make sense of. I won't get it completely right, but I will try. Try to help you leap over the chasm that divides us, and at least help to make some semblance of what the alternate reality, which you do not inhabit yet is fast encroaching on your experience, looks like to a person who feels at home in that alternative reality. Allow me first to divulge where I'm coming from within my own reality, because each separate one of us do indeed inhabit our own. I was raised evangelical Christian. I sang Bible songs with my little sister and talked incessantly about Jesus from a very young age. Though, as with all childhood learning, it was more repetition than cognizance. From the time I was beginning to form an identity, I was taught that I am a Christian first. That's why you hear politicians like Ted Cruz say things such as, quote, I'm a Christian first, American second, conservative third, and Republican fourth. It's that innate tribalism which still beats down deep in the hearts of every human. Of course, the term Christian was a derogatory one originally. Christianity isn't supposed to trap you within the confines of a box. It's supposed to set you free. But over two millennia, of course, our humanity has corrupted what Jesus of Nazareth taught. For instance, while the Bible says in Matthew 5.11 that followers of Jesus are blessed when people persecute them because of their faith, modern American evangelicals have made persecution and victimization the hallmark of their entire subculture. Want to know why there is always such controversy surrounding art on a disposable Starbucks coffee cup? It is because these people inhabit a culture that claims putting a Jesus bumper sticker on the bumper of your car makes you a Christian witness. If their coffee is not held in a container that has the word Christmas in it, then they are victims. Hell, I was taught growing up that the abbreviation Xmas was an insult to my faith because it, quote, took the Christ out of Christmas, end quote. It was only upon my own research in my late teens that I learned that X is historically an approved abbreviation for Christ in Greek. Until I learned that, I was perfectly pleased to embrace the victimization I was taught to feel in my Christian culture around me. It's an addicting feeling to be special because you have something that the rest of the world does not. In my case, I was told that everyone hates my faith because I know the truth, the only truth. The one truth. And if others are not like me with the truth in their hearts, they are at best lost, and at worst, being used by the devil to deceive me and drag me from my true faith back to hell. 
Ah, yes. The devil. Lucifer. It's important to interject here that to the evangelical Christian culture I was raised in, the devil is not just symbolism as mankind tries to make sense of the good and bad that we see. At the time, to me, the devil was a real, invisible creature. A real being. Not a metaphor that explains that sometimes evil can appear to be good, which is where the saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions comes from. No. The devil, I, and all other evangelical Christians are taught to believe in, isn't a metaphorical state of mind, but a real, living, breathing, invisible creature. That is one reason why so many Christian conservatives are so susceptible to the rampant conspiracy theories that we find more and more common in the fast communicating age of the internet and social media. It's not as big of a leap to believe in evil conspiracies when one already believes that a literal invisible creature called the devil is literally trying to send you, your loved ones, and your entire country into the inescapable pits of hell. And for those who are a little vague on what hell is to the evangelical Christian conservative, it is a literal place in the afterlife where you will burn in torment forever. Evangelicals sincerely fear an invisible place in another world that wishes to devour them and everything they love. When you believe that there is demonic activity invisible to the naked eye, bubbling all around you, it is easy to say that anything you already want to believe is evil, is evil. Combine that with the idea that you already know the one truth because you believe in Jesus, and you have the perfect recipe to be a person who asks no questions does not listen, does not seek understanding, does not seek truth. I know this from being this. I know this because I was this person. I know this from my personal experience spending a decade and a half in a well-known megachurch. I have met folks on the family's Dr. James Dobson face to face. I have shaken his hand. I began my life's journey in the heart of this way of thinking. The unfortunate reality of the modern evangelical Christian movement in America is that these quote-unquote Christians talk incessantly about there being absolute truth. They will speak strong and loud about the world, by which they mean anyone not like them, or the lost, or of course, the liberals, and how they don't have the real truth, which is absolute and not relative. Again, This means that rather than following the biblical scripture's admonition to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry, they pluck any assortment of scripture verses that they like from testaments old and new to frame a biblical excuse to judge and shun their neighbor instead of asking questions about who their neighbor is and what their neighbor actually thinks. It's interesting. I was having a conversation with a worship leader who I respect about traditional teachings on what the Bible says and other possible ways of interpreting that same biblical content. Somewhere within our long conversation, he said that when reading the Bible, it's important that the scriptures be, quote, interpreted well, end quote. He said this in defense of the traditional interpretations that the evangelical community embraces, but it stood out to me because he's absolutely right. If one is going to claim that the Bible is God's infallible word, that it is perfect, that the truth of it is absolute and not relative, then it must be acknowledged that such absolute truth must be interpreted with absolute correctness. Otherwise, another interpretation of that absolute truth will make that truth relative, a truth relative to the individual who makes the interpretation. This stood out to me because as I have engaged in conversations surrounding morality and this election's politics, 
I have found that it is excessively and terrifyingly simple for evangelicals to pluck only the Bible verses that they want, which backs up what their corrupt leadership is already telling them. In these conversations I was having, I could counter an argument they made with other Bible verses. And the supposed absolute truth Christians would eagerly talk themselves in circles with other random scriptures or simply ignore the verses I shared and just lash out at libtards and Hillary Clinton. <laughs> what a lazy and empty nickname. Absolute truth certainly wasn't absolute, only angry. This whole interpreting well idea shows up in other areas of modern evangelical belief as well. Evangelical Christianity loves to point at other Bible-based sects of Christianity as false religions. Mormons, Catholics, Jehovah's Witnesses. Evangelicals love to claim that their interpretation alone is the only one, but that's just tribalism. After thousands of years of interpretation still filtered through our own fallible humanity today, there's no way to know what is the absolute true interpretation, even if the original was indeed God-breathed and absolutely true. When I was in high school, my superiority complex as a Christian with the one truth resulted in me harshly criticizing my good Mormon friend. So sure of my righteousness I was that I ignored Bible verses about pride while haphazardly plucking verses about false religions. Based on my evangelical upbringing, I was certain that my Mormon friend should be more like me. I claimed it was about Christ. I had the Bible verses to prove my superiority, Yet looking back, it was really just an interpretation based on what I wanted to believe, which was that I alone had the truth, because I was quote-unquote saved. You know, really saved. That my irreverent attitude towards my friend was being not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my Mormon friend, the one with the false religion, the one with relative truth, which couldn't compare to my absolute truth? He was incredibly gracious. He was long-suffering. He turned the other cheek, verbally speaking. Looking back, my Mormon friend's response to me was much more in the actual character of Jesus than my own Christianity. Even now, I can, of course, trot out scriptures about how Jesus got mad and turned over the tables of the moneylenders in the temple to justify my abrasive attitude. There's always a verse quote-unquote interpreted well that I can use to justify what I insist is my absolute truth. But the reality is that the dude who had the real beat on what Christianity was supposed to be was the patient Mormon with the false religion who was always very generous and kind to me. But having been in the evangelical Christian subculture for so long, I postulate that modern evangelical Christianity, too, is a false religion. American evangelical Christians are addicted to the power that comes with their proclaimed victimization. That is why they cling to it. That is why they insist they are persecuted, as was told they would be in the scriptures, instead of acknowledging how much time has passed since then. Because they are right. The United States is a country founded on Christian principles, however poorly executed those principles may have been over the centuries. The problem is that they want to keep everyone they malign on the wrong side of salvation, instead of acknowledging that Christ said, It is finished. 
And so we all must move on. Not because Christ is irrelevant, but precisely because his message of new beginnings and a fresh start is already so very relevant. The cyclical closed loop of American evangelical Christianity keeps salvation as an end point that is always just beyond reach. Yes, of course you're saved. Except, have you backslidden? Are you certain that you have actually been saved? Come back up to the altar. Pledge yourself yet again to our one narrow way of thinking. That is the only way to be sure. Yet, in all actuality, salvation is not the end game, but the starting point. Once you are born again, you need not stew in constant accusations of unholiness. The newly born spirit within steps into openness by grace. You may no longer be accused. You are now free to ask questions. You are now free to be uncertain. Certain that your uncertain questions are not under judgment. And if your accusers judge your questions and insist on their discrimination, hold fast in the free spirit that your uncertainty and confusions have already been paid for by your salvation. You don't have to pretend that you have all the answers because you found Jesus. You are free to be honest about how little you do know and how much more of this miraculous life there is to explore. Free people are allowed to ask questions. Free people are allowed to be uncertain. Being so does not make you a quote-unquote doubting Thomas, yet another scripture reference haphazardly plucked to inflict shame. Asking questions is a method of living out your salvation in full form. That's how I finally got out of that cyclical prison of thought. I finally admitted to myself that which is scariest to admit, that I didn't know anything, that I did not have all the answers, that my mental gymnastics to keep believing things were just this one way weren't enough to make sense of the world. But the good news, the gospel, was that I was free to explore the world, that I was free to ask questions. I was free to deviate from God's perfect plan, because his perfect plan wasn't a specific set of actions taken at a specific time. Rather, his plan was for me to be exactly what I am, and to celebrate the miracle of having the gift to exist at all, even though it's just a blink of an eye, and I am just a mist. Election after election, it's no accident that evangelicals continuously bring up the Antichrist and claim their opponents are the devil. They corruptly use scriptures that reference their ultimate enemy to dehumanize their human opponents. It may sound absurd to us, but you need to keep in mind that to them, the devil is a real and dangerous invisible creature stalking the earth with real and dangerous invisible demons. And Antichrist is a term they'll label anybody who is able to speak eloquently just because the book of Revelation says the Antichrist will be a good speaker. Christian leaders in America claim this year after year. If their opponent, a Democrat of course, because they get Christianity and Republicanism inexplicably confused, if that opponent is better educated, of higher intelligence perhaps, Evangelical leaders will scream about the end times and slap the cheap and easy Antichrist label on anyone they choose, all while misusing scriptures like Isaiah 55.8, which talks about God's ways not being man's ways and God's thoughts not being man's thoughts. They pick and choose Bible verses for their own 
vanity. And rather than study the scriptures and verify for themselves, Christian congregations all across America will say, well, my pastor quoted the Bible, so it must be true. How could my pastor be wrong? Evangelicals often insist that Christianity is not a religion, but a personal relationship with Jesus. Yet rather than personally seeking the truth for themselves, their study of the Bible amounts to little more than reading prepackaged devotionals from their Christian bookstore or listening to their pastor's latest tirade against Hollywood, all of which tell them what they think those scriptures mean based on what they already want them to mean. Though it may not always be the intention, it is very easy to interpret biblical scripture in whatever way one wants to fit whichever viewpoint one wishes. And so we see how constant misuse and misappropriation of the Bible has a very dehumanizing quality when that's clearly the opposite of Christ's intent. After this past 2016 election, I actually had Christian relatives complain that Hillary Clinton had quoted the Bible in her concession speech, some going so far as to say hearing her quote the Bible made them nauseous. They had somehow dehumanized her to the point where they didn't think she was worthy of the word supposedly written as a love letter to everyone. They had used their own Bibles to skew their perception of her into being a literal devil rather than seeing Hillary Clinton as another human being on the road to redemption, the same as the rest of us. Hashtag sad. Going back to the educated and eloquent speaker so many evangelicals seem to despise, I could easily point to holy scripture such as Proverbs 4-5, which with exclamation point says, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. In Hosea 4-6, God admonishes that his people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Suddenly, that educated, well-spoken candidate appears to be the better moral choice. But evangelical leadership will falsely duck and dive away from those truths so that they can stir up fear and discontent about the end times. It's easier to use the name of God in vain to label another person the Antichrist, which dehumanizes that person, than it is to honestly seek true wisdom and knowledge. That takes hard work. That takes real dedication to seeking truth. And based on their history, and now their bizarre support for a candidate who is clearly nothing like Jesus Christ in any way, one can only conclude that modern evangelical Christians are apt to only accept the things that they want to be true while dismissing other viewpoints immediately by slandering and dehumanizing. To dismiss another person's point of view outright is to not seek knowledge, is to not seek wisdom, because knowledge and wisdom are found through asking questions, through seeking, through the humble acknowledgement that I don't know everything. So I must ask others different from myself. I must seek to understand opposing viewpoints. I must weigh the evidence and not be misled by something slick or easy like end time scapegoating. And even now, many evangelical Christians who may have heard me say all this have lazily plucked a haphazard verse from their vanity tree to righteously convince themselves that I must be deceived by the devil, all because I chose to observe what was going on around me and weigh the evidence instead of believing what they believe on blind faith. It's a cyclical loop, 
and it is dangerously difficult to get out of. Believe me, I intimately know exactly what it feels like to gain the realization that all those libtards that I've been talking shit about for years actually begin to make sense, and realizing that those bleeding heart lefties actually have a much deeper understanding of the message of Christ than the modern evangelical Pharisees among us, who use God's name to prop up easily observable propaganda and lies. It is not an easy journey to see what an asshole I've been, and how I used my faith to prop up my own ignorance. It sucks to know that as deeply flawed and sometimes retarded as liberals are, because they say some dumb shit too, they have an equal place at the table of humanity with any true follower of Christ and any honest seeker of wisdom. In my journey so far, I've seen so much Jesus and saving grace from humans who didn't even know his name. That is why I do my admittedly flawed best to listen to the people around me. Just because they have splinters in their eyes doesn't mean that I am entitled to be ignorant of the gargantuan lumber protruding from my own skull. That is a well-interpreted Matthew 7, 5 reference. The rest of the world is looking at American evangelicals in utter disbelief. The purported moral authority standing for family values betrayed everything they claimed to stand for. And beyond that, they twisted biblical scripture to do it. I saw a Christian TV program where the ignoramus at the pulpit was hawking his new Christian book, which was titled and made the claim that Donald Trump was, quote, God's chaos candidate. Excuse me? God's chaos candidate? Are you shitting me? First of all, the entire notion of Christianity and their God versus the devil storyline is that Father God is the author of order. According to the very bedrock of modern Christian belief, it's the devil who causes chaos, who revels in confusion and fear. Yet this dummy who purports to be a high leader of Christendom misuses and abuses scripture to apply characteristics of Lucifer to the character of God himself. The stupidity of this man breaking the third commandment by using God's name for his own vanity so that he can continue to vote Republican without question is mind-boggling to me. Any real Christian would know that the Bible itself tells an entire story. There is a story arc. That's why there's an Old and New Testament. That's why there is an Old Covenant and a New because a reader is supposed to recognize the way things were in the old so as to appreciate the revolutionary and truly freeing message of Jesus Christ. Any real Christian would know that you can't haphazardly pull a fistful of fire and brimstone Old Testament verses from thousands of years ago and apply them to a world where the covenant is new. Any real Christian would know that God would never, under the new covenant, choose a chaos candidate. Any real Christian would know that God desires for humanity to embrace wisdom and knowledge, to embrace peace and forgiveness, not finger-pointing, blame, and scapegoating. Any real Christian would stand strong in their faith of these things. Therefore, I have no choice but to come to a stark, startling, and disappointing conclusion. 
which is that modern evangelical Christians in America are not Christians. They are Pharisees. Pharisees. They love to parade their faith around in front of everybody else. They love to claim victimization about the Supreme Court taking prayer out of schools, when of course their Bible already tells them to pray in private and not as a show. Their Bible already tells them not to draw attention to the good they do in Christ's name, because if they do, they already have their reward but to do good in secret so they are not tempted to use their faith to stroke their own ego. Pharisees. Whitewashed tombs. That is what the modern evangelical subculture in America is now. Self-righteous Pharisees attempting to parade their quote-unquote Christianity in front of everybody else. So I disagree with the claim that the Christian right measures itself by absolute truth while the left has a sliding scale of morality. I have had ample time to meet, make friends with, rub shoulders with, and dine with the very humans I once dismissed as the left, or to put it more cogently, the lost. When you trade smiles and conversation with somebody you once dismissed as lost, you come to realize that the left is just a bunch of people who believe just as absolutely in their very real morals as you do in yours. When you listen to them, you humanize them. When you humanize them, you are capable of loving them the way God's Son describes. Jesus distilled Father God's biblical truth into something that is indeed challenging, but not complicated. Other than loving the Lord our God with all our hearts, we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. The Bible is very clear. We have no place passing any judgment on our neighbors. We are only to love them. So therefore, if you believe that having homosexual sex is a sin, do not do it. Then, love your neighbor as yourself. If you believe that birth control goes against God's order, do not use it. Then, love your neighbor as yourself. If you believe that rock guitar and worship music invites the devil and only old hymns are appropriate, then only sing hymns. Then, love your neighbor as yourself. If you believe that the teachings of Buddha have nothing for you and could harm you, do not pray to him. Then, love your neighbor as yourself. If you believe that using the word retarded in conversation is offensive and hurtful, because there's no shortage of left-wing PC police in the conversation, then do not say it and love your neighbor as yourself. If you believe that wearing an Indian headdress to a music festival is cultural appropriation and offensive to minorities, do not wear one. Then love your neighbor as yourself. My overall disagreement is the claim that the left and the right are so different, when from what I have observed, everyone on both sides believe they are standing for what is moral and true. True followers of Christ are not supposed to take on the mantle of victimization when the left speaks out against them. They are instructed to know they are blessed and to count it all joy. Christians are not supposed to get hung up on Leviticus when Jesus already said, it is finished. 
The whole point of talking about eyes with logs and specks is that none of us are really separate from each other. So dine with whores and tax collectors, give that thief your coat, and love your neighbor as yourself. The Pharisees of America have betrayed us all by embracing ignorance, chaos, and judgment rather than allowing the humility of a shared grace to permeate this country. The Pharisee masses lifted up a known con man. They lifted up a greedy man who loves money, who has never shown much empathy for anyone, especially the poor. Jesus saying, blessed are the poor, was inconvenient for their supposed absolute truth. When it was learned that this con man lost nearly a billion dollars, had 3,500 lawsuits against him, didn't pay taxes for nearly two decades, the Pharisees did not stand in truth. They did not seek wisdom or understanding. They did not ask questions. Instead of being quick to listen and slow to speak, they outright dismissed any and all data as a left-wing conspiracy. They did not ask how the con man was going to return coal and manufacturing jobs back to America when it is well known that due to automation, most of those jobs can never come back. We're in an information economy now. We need a plan to educate and train and transition those from the old economy into the new. But the supposed absolute truth seekers didn't ask for much of a plan at all. And you bet your ass they didn't go to Hillary Clinton's website when she told everyone during the debates that she had posted an extensive plan meant to address that very thing. It would be one thing if those identifying as Christians had researched Hillary's plan, endeavored to understand said plan, then decided they didn't support her based on those merits. But those claiming to seek truth didn't. They just blamed and scapegoated and shrieked about unproven conspiracy theories as they twisted the very meaning of Christ's message while they did it. Donald Trump's election is the perfect display of the current state of evangelical Christianity in the United States today. Donald is a prideful, greedy, self-obsessed man who reacts to the slightest provocation. So too do we see this identical behavior from the modern church. Obsessions with image and overly reactionary responses towards anything that doesn't align itself 100% with its hollow self-righteous idol. So yes, you did wake up in a parallel universe. A universe in which those who claim to be the highest proponents of morality have finally exposed themselves for what they really are. No better, no more moral or holy than any of the rest of us. And it is a bit discombobulating. Many have long suspected the hypocrisy of the party of family values, yet somehow part of us still believed them when they said they were morally more righteous than us. This is the first time that they have exposed themselves so garishly and spectacularly as the tribalistic narcissists they truly are. Though, side note, let's all acknowledge that every one of us on any side is prone to selfishness and narcissism. It's funny. In a recent conversation with an evangelical friend who talks about Christianity and Donald Trump extremely often, 
I brought up the need to be very careful with statements that might mislead while purporting to stand for the one truth. His response surprised me. He told me that he, quote, didn't appreciate me bringing up Jesus and Christianity. He then went straight for the dehumanization tactic. He implied that my moving to San Francisco, California, may have forced me to become a liberal. (gasps) Gasp. Then he implied that I may have joined a, quote, new Christian cult. Then he did what all Donald Trump supporters I have conversed with do. He pivoted. He told me that, quote, Hillary Clinton would have meant the end of religious freedom. He provided no references to quotes or proposed legislation that would have given his statement any validity. And that's what always happens. Indefensible positions, such as equating the message of Christ with the election of Donald Trump, must obfuscate what is truly being discussed, and it usually rears its disgusting head with dehumanizing attacks and a false claim of victimization from the party that just did the dehumanizing. So then it struck me. The proclaimed absolute one truth is only true to the inhabitants of this parallel universe if it doesn't shine any light on the flagrant hypocrisy and vanity that now abounds. What is needed in modern America is a new revelation of God and salvation. What is needed is a new revelation of what is the real good news. But to attain that revelation, all people need to start asking questions. All people need to seek wisdom. All people need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. All people need to embrace knowledge lest they perish. A free person is allowed to ask questions. So in this parallel universe, if your testimony is that you have been set free, start asking questions. For the American dream, asking questions is a necessity. Gabriel Podcast was written, composed, and produced by me, Gabe Classic, a multimedia artist currently creating in San Francisco. You can find me on Instagram at Gabe Classic. You can find me on Twitter at Gabe Classic. You can find more of my multimedia work on my website, GabeClassic.com. G-A-B-E-C-L-A-S-S-I-C. You can listen to more of this podcast on SoundCloud.com slash Gabe Classic or subscribe to us on iTunes. 